Welcome to the Questioning God podcast with John Hopper. I'm your host, Blaine Larson, and these series of podcasts are all about Search's brand new book, Questioning God, Answers to Questions Worth Asking. We're going to highlight every chapter and talk just a little bit about the key points, key takeaways that you ought to know as you are reading this book. Um, This resource, this podcast series, is produced by Search. It's an organization committed to having conversations about the big questions of God and life. And this particular episode is all about chapter one of this book. And the chapter is, Life is Good, So Why Be Concerned with God? And I'm joined by the author of Questioning God, John Hopper. John, thanks for being here. Oh, it's great to be with you, Blaine. Well, where do we begin to think about this first question, the very first chapter in your brand new book? Yeah, it's, you know, it's an interesting question, right? Life is good, so why be concerned about God? Um, I, I think there was probably a time blame where, where people kind of thought of God as being a part of the good life. Like, you know, you, you said your prayers once in a while, you went to church, you had friends, you know, you found some solace, you found some peace sort of in knowing God. But that's, I think, becoming less so today. I think there's people saying, I'm good without God. Like, I, you know, life's fine for me. Like, you might need a little God in your life, but I don't. I really need that. So, you know, don't push your 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 God on me. So, um, so I think it's important that we answer this question. Like, why even be concerned in the first place with God? So, we could talk about other questions as we do in the book about how do we know God exists or why should we trust the Bible. But if someone's just like, I'm I'm good. I don't I don't really need answers to any of those other questions. It seems like we've got to be able to answer that question. Now, I think that the way to answer this question and and what I do in the book, Blaine, is talk about what would be missing if there was no God. So um, I think most people feel like God is sort of disposable. The good in your life, if that's fine, but I don't really need him. Like it's just a sort of can go one way or the other. But I don't think people have sort of thought through what would be missing if God really didn't exist. Which is a fantastic point that you do such a great job writing about in the book. What are the key things that would be missing Mm -hmm. if there is no God? Yeah, yeah. But, you know, one of the illustrations, first of all, Blaine, that I use in the book is is a a car, right? There's a lot of things under the hood of a car. And uh, I don't really know what all that stuff does, (laughs) right? So, and I could say to myself, it's all kind of worthless. Like, it doesn't really matter what's under the hood of the car. Like, you know, the brake pedal works for me. The steering wheel is okay. But, I, I, you know, that stuff under there, you can take it out if you want. So, But obviously, if I took it out, like, things wouldn't work so well. And I think that's the case with God as well. Like, he's, he's under the hood. And if you take that out, like, some things would go missing. So, so here's some things that I think would go missing if there wasn't a God. If, if you and I were simply what uh, the cosmos spit out, Okay, so a long time ago, you know, there was some elements that randomly collided with one another, and they created sort of the first sort of building blocks of life. And eventually those building blocks turned into a cell, and a cell turned into, you know, some sort of a molecule. of It just kind of kept going and going until we are here today, all randomly by chance, no God involved in it sort of thing. So um, if that was the case, it would seem to me that we would have a hard time supporting the idea that any of us has any real purpose in life. Now, the reason I say that is, let's suppose that uh, 
I had a box of Scrabble pieces. Okay, so this is a box of this game Scrabble, and you bumped into me, and all the pieces went on the ground just randomly, right? We probably wouldn't look at those pieces and say, "Man, what's what's the purpose of those pieces?" I mean, like, what are they telling us? You know what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look at the X is near an A, and you know, and that's near a Z. You know, oh, there's a message here for us. We probably wouldn't say that. We'd just say, "That's the way the pieces fell out of the box." Sure. Right? So. Uh, um, now we could assign some meaning. We could say, "Oh, the A means this, and the Z means," and we could sort of play a game that way. But there really wouldn't be any meaning to it at all, or any purpose to it. It would just be what spilled out of the box. It's like there's no purpose that's bigger outside of what we maybe create. That's right. That we would just we we could come up with again, sort of a we could come up with our meaning, so our purpose. We could say the A means this and the Z means that, but it doesn't. There's there's no real meaning to that at all. So, um, so it seems to me like if we're going to say we've got purpose in life, a real objective purpose, that there has to be someone outside of us that that made us. Well, and what I love about this, and this is something you do so well in the book, I think as everybody reads it, they'll see this is that's not your opinion about mm. purpose. You're actually just stating the opinion of uh, many well-known uh, atheists, That's right. including Richard Dawkins, who speaks to this, right? Absolutely. So throughout the first chapter, almost all the voices that I use are voices of atheists, because atheists recognize when they've sort of thought this out, yeah, if we are just here because of blind physical forces, there is no real purpose in life. I mean, things just are as they are. It's just how the you know, the pieces fell out of the box and, and that's it. So um, there's one particular fellow named Loyal Rue. He's a philosopher. And he said, yeah, but that's too, um, it's, it's to think that way that there's no real purpose in life. None of us can really live that way. So we just have to come up with a noble lie. But what he's, what he's saying when he says that is that, yeah, there really is no purpose in life. So we just make one up and we kind of, kind of go with it. But Really down, deep down, there's there's no purpose. So if God's not under the hood, none of us really have any purpose at all in life. So what's another thing that is, uh, that's lost if there is no God under the hood? Yeah. If there's no God under the hood, if we are just sort of biochemical creatures responding to our environment, then there's no free will. So, so you got up this morning and you decided, well, I think I'll have this coffee, maybe I'll flavor it this way or whatever the case might be. And you thought it was a choice, but in sort of the mindset that, that this is all just sort of randomly come together, there is no free will. We are just these machines that are DNA coded because of sort of past events that occurred. And then we're responding to our environment. This is the only thing we can do. So, um, so when my kids were younger, we would sometimes uh, do this little uh, experiments. Sometimes they do it in schools, right, where you, you make a little volcano, right? Yeah, so, I remember that. And uh, and you put a little uh, uh, baking soda in it, and then you add the, the you add the vinegar, and it all foams out, and it looks like you know it's a, a volcano erupting or whatever. Now you would never say like, oh, well that. Uh, Baking soda and vinegar sort of made that choice to fizz. Like, no, it just did it because it had to. So if if there is no God that sort of gave us an ability to choose things left or, or right, then 
then we're just machines. That's it. And then it's hard to hold people accountable for choices if these choices really aren't made. Absolutely. So, you know, we're, like justice is a huge issue today, and it should be, right? There's a lot of injustice in the world, and so we should be concerned about justice. But if if we don't have control over our actions, if we're just machines that are just doing kind of what we have to do, then how can we really say that anybody's wrong or right in anything? Right? They're just doing what they, again, we wouldn't say that the that the vinegar or the the baking soda was wrong in what they did. No, it's just like, that's the reaction that came about. So if you're driving down the road and someone cuts you off, sort of deal, and you get really angry and road rage and you run them off the road, sort of deal, the person who's been violated in that sense, all they can say is, well, that guy's, you know, biochemical <laughs> sort of machine. That's what it, it did. So. Isn't it true that this is why we, the, the legal system mm-hmm. came up with the insanity defense and why if somebody's actually not in their right, mind and they commit a crime, they're, they're not really held accountable. They're a little bit left off, off the hook. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, in a, in a way, we're all off the hook, right? Yeah. So if uh, we can't really even control what we're, we're doing. So, yeah. And, you know, I, I think, too, in regards to this justice issue is, so if there is no God and we're just these machines that are kind of working to try to survive, right? So survival of the fittest. Um, then whatever we do towards other creatures, it's just like, well, it's just to make me survive. Like, and how can you call that wrong, right? Like, how can you call for justice in that? When we look at, say, the animal kingdom and we see, say, a, a sort of a, the male gender of a particular species, maybe they uh, really manhandle the females in that species. We don't ever say, that is so wrong. When a lot, you know, when the, the male lion does that to the female lion, we just say, well, that's the way of the wild. But we don't say that when it comes to people. But but why not? If there's no if there's no God, we're just all survival of the of the fittest. And so um, it seems like again, if God's not under the hood, that that goes missing. So we're missing potentially here: yeah. purpose, free will, justice. What's next? Yeah, yeah. There's a, a couple other things that I think are huge. One, I think we lose love. Right. So. We think of love as this sort of deep, almost mystical kind of, you know, sense and feeling we have towards people. We look at it, right, with a child's born, and we look at it, and we have this incredible love towards it. But if we don't have a God that's actually made us to love and made things lovable, we're just biochemical machines, then all we're really having is a biochemical reaction towards something that's in front of us. So, so, you know, when you say, you know, I love you to your wife, you really, in some ways, and, and actually some atheist thinkers have said this, is that you really should just be saying, you know, I'm having a biochemical reaction towards you. That's that's it. If How romantic. No, no. <laughs> How romantic. <laughs> Would you like a Valentine card that says something like that? Like, like you know, I have bi- biochemical reactions when I'm near you. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So I think we lose love. I think, too, and this is rather startling, is we we lose the trust we can have in our own reasoning. And here's how that works. So, so let's say that, um, you know, someone put some new program on your computer. Maybe you were in business, you needed some new accounting software, and, and you'd never heard of the name of the software before. So you ask the person, you know, the IT person who's putting it on your computer, and you're like, where, you know, who's this company that you know, developed this accounting? Oh, well, it's, it's this company that just does this random coding. Uh, and they just like, 
throw it together. It's just sort of this machinery that does this random coding and we're just throwing it on your computer. So it should be great for you. Like you wouldn't trust anything that came out of that, that computer program because there was no intentionality to it at all. So if, if we're just creatures that have just come about by happenstance and we're, our brains have been programmed by this series of random events, then how can we really trust the thoughts that we have? And, and this, interestingly, was one of, of Darwin's huge doubts. So towards the end of his life, even as an autobiography, he says, one of the horrid doubts that remains with me is that, that uh, um, these convictions I have in my mind, that they're, they're not really worth anything at all. And, and then a few years, five years later, after uh, he wrote that autobiography and he was writing a letter to the friend just before he died, he said the same thing, like, if this is all true, that, that there's no God and this just all came about randomly, like, I'm not sure I can even trust my own thoughts. Now, that really undercuts the idea of atheism, right? Like, because the atheist who creates arguments for atheism, well, they can't even really trust those thoughts because the brain that's being used to come up with those thoughts has just been randomly programmed, unless there's a God who's given us an ability to actually think and, and to reason. So, so that's a lot of things there, Blaine. And what's interesting is if you look at those things, purpose, free will, the choices we make, justice, like the causes that we stand for, the things we think are valuable, love, you know, our ability to think, those are all the things that make you, you. So if you take all those away, like there's no real basis to those things, then like what's left, right? Like it's pretty thin, really. So, so I would say, you know, the reason to be concerned about God and even look into God is because there would be an awful lot that is lost or goes missing if God isn't under the hood. Yeah, your your sense of personal identity, right? Mm-hmm. Is you just that's kind of what you're talking about. I mean, yeah. You lose all of these things that make us individuals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and seem real. That's to right. Us. That seem real to you, John. You've given us a great glimpse of what would be missing if God wasn't under the hood, but you haven't really given us any evidence that God is under the hood, have you? So that's chapter two of the book, really, right? So that, that we'll get to is some evidence for the existence of God. And so the point of this chapter hasn't been to say, you should believe in God because here's the evidence, but, but rather the point of this chapter has been, you ought to take the time to look at the evidence for God because if God isn't there, there's a lot that goes missing. And I'm not sure we want to miss those things. Now, notice too, Blaine, I think this is important that None of the things that I said would go missing have to do with a life after this. So lots of times Christians, they say, you know, believe because of the afterlife. And I think there's a a huge reason to sort of look at Christianity because of the potential of an, an afterlife. But everything that I've talked about are things in this life that would go missing. And so it seems to me like if you're just somebody that's not even thinking about the afterlife, but you're just thinking about this life now, that there's reasons to sort of dig in and find out more about whether God really exists if the evidence is there. John, this has been a great conversation about chapter one, life is good, so why be concerned with God? Next episode, we're going to be talking about chapter two, why should I believe God exists? And if you haven't already, go pick up Search's new book, Questioning God Answers to Questions Worth Asking. It's available now on questioninggod.com and on Amazon. 
And we look forward to having you join us next time on the Questioning God podcast with John Hopper.